0: You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week for episode 144. We got a good show this week. I'm excited. Our guest uh, coming up in the next segment is going to be Ben Gross. He is the Chief Strategy Officer for Genius. This is one of my favorite music websites out there. If you guys have never checked out Genius, Go check it out. You will get lost. It is just a rabbit hole for music fans because it's a lyrics annotation platform. You can find out the meaning behind the lyrics of all your favorite songs. And I I love this platform, so I'm excited to talk to the chief strategy officer for this platform. And it's not just going to be me talking about how much I love this platform. I, I want to get some real advice from him on how indie artists like you can use Genius to help move their careers forward. I want to talk to him about how indie artists can use the platform to build fan engagement, which you absolutely can, and I'm so excited to get his thoughts on that. And also, I want to kind of get him to give us a general discussion about how you as artists can monetize your lyrics, because I think a lot of you guys don't really know that there is value in your lyrics and the great lyrics that you guys write over and above just the fact that your lyrics are in Your songs that you record and perform. There's value in the lyrics in and of themselves because some of you guys, man, you can write some seriously good lyrics. I mean, you guys are, some of you are just basically poets that happen to know music. And so, for those of you who are making some great lyrics, I want to give you guys info on all the different avenues you can use to monetize those lyrics. So, that's what Ben Gross is going to be talking to us about in the next segment. So, don't go anywhere. I'm feeling so good, man. I'm back from vacation. I'm feeling, I got that post-vacation glow about me, and it's, it's good to be home. My mom used to always say that one of the best things about any vacation is coming home from vacation, because even though you had a great time on your vacation, which I absolutely did, there's something just about coming home. Coming back to your familiar surroundings, you know, sitting in your favorite chair and being away from your home for a while allows you to appreciate your home. And I'm I'm really appreciating my hometown and my neck of the woods and the house in which I live. And I'm feeling good. But, man, the vacation was so much fun. Those of you last week knew... Where I went, I went to the Poconos with my wife and the Break the Business dog, Molly. We all had a wonderful time. What a great, great week for the three of us. And... Molly, it turns out, is the ultimate outdoor dog. I mean, the fact that Molly has to live with us in the suburbs must tear at her every day because I'm telling you, being out in nature, that was this dog's natural environment. She had the time of her life. Every outdoorsy thing that we did in the Poconos, Molly was there for every second of it and was loving every second of it. Man, I mean, we, we and we did as much nature stuff as we could to just, you know, really have the dog to have so much fun, uh, Molly hiked Bushkill Falls, this nice waterfall in the area. It was, you know, it was high inclines. It was a lot of tough hiking. You got to get over a lot of rocks and ledges and stuff. But Molly, no problem. She handled it quite well. Uh, she swam around in the creek. It was, it was awesome. Oh, and speaking of swimming, we also uh, all three of us we swam in Indian Mountain Lake. Man, she swam so far into that lake. She was chasing sticks. She was going after fish. It was so so cool. And uh, the three of us, we also can do now the Delaware River. We got in this little canoe. Obviously, my wife and I did all the paddling and Molly just sat there looking pretty. But she was loving the canoe. I mean, just sitting in the canoe. She loves seeing the nature all around her. Uh, We rarely passed by boats, but when we did pass by a boat, they were all like, oh, my God, there's a dog. And, you know, they knew that she knew that they were talking about her and that made the dog smile and wag her tail. She was she was digging the whole experience. And man, there were very few people on that lake. It was so desolate. It was really cool. Sometimes I could even almost convince myself that we were going back in time, except for the fact that we had cell phones in our hand for most of the time because we were snapping so many pictures. But it was unbelievable. What a cool experience. It was just what I needed. I feel so good after this vacation. But now it's great being back here in the studio with all you guys talking about the music industry, talking about moving your careers forward. And the whole the whole trip was just unbelievable, except for uh, one of the days that I was gone. I got the news on Twitter and, you know, which was no easy task because the Internet was super spotty and my cell phone just did not work at all in terms of reception. But I did manage to get some information about losing Aretha Franklin this past week. I saw that 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 news came in while I was gone. We have lost the Queen of Soul. This sucks. We have lost an incredible talent. And the thing about Aretha is she wasn't just a great performer. And she didn't just have a great voice. And she was those things. Absolutely. But what was really impressive about her is that she was so technically proficient with her instrument. I mean, aside from being a great performer with a great voice, she had so much well-crafted skill as a, as a vocalist. You know, a, a, she, was, she wasn't just a great performer. She was a vocalist's vocalist. She was a true genius at what she did, and the best of the best could appreciate what she was able to do with her voice. And there's just no one else like her out there, and there never will be again. And so it is such a hit for us all to lose her. And I do want to spend some time now before we bring in Ben Gross talking about what she means to all of us. And I can tell you that my perspective on what she means to me may be a little different from others because I have to admit that I'm not a huge expert when it comes to her biography. I mean, I've seen her perform a bunch of times. I'm familiar with most of her hit songs, obviously, but I can't really go deep into her life story because I don't know a ton about her life story. But I do know a lot about the Grammys, and I can talk a bit about Aretha's legacy by talking about what I would have to say is the greatest moment in the history of my favorite award show, the Grammy Awards. So the year is 1998. It's 20 years ago. And it's the Grammys telecast. And Luciano Pavarotti is slated to perform the Puccini aria, Nessun Dorma. Now, Nessun Dorma is one of those arias that you probably wouldn't know the song just by name. So like I say Nessun Dorma, you might not know what that is, but you'll easily recognize the song once you hear it. It's one of those kind of songs. And. It is a really difficult song to sing and for Pavarotti it's one of his signature songs. In fact, you know, I can give you a little clip here. Here's him singing it in 1994. Oh. So yeah, that's Pavarotti. He's really good, obviously. <laughs> and that scheduled Grammy performance of Nessun Dorma was publicized heavily for the telecast. Pavarotti was going to win this Lifetime Achievement Award. It was going to be this huge thing. He was going to sing. It was going to bring the house down. They were, they were banking on this being a huge thing for that particular telecast. And then something crazy happened. 30 minutes into the Grammy's telecast one of the production assistants for the show gets a telephone call. It's Pavarotti. And he tells the assistant, quote, I don't feel well. I can't come. I sing for you next year. Apparently, Luciano had a sore throat and could not perform. And as the Grammy executive producer, Ken Ehrlich, tells it, he's like, yeah, you're going to say you're performing next year. What about this year? We have a show to do. And... Uh, I got nothing and, you know, I have four minutes of time I'm going to have to fill. And so Aretha Franklin happened to be backstage at the Grammys that night and because she was scheduled to do like a Blues Brothers themed performance with Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi and John Goodman. And so Ken runs backstage to see Aretha Franklin and ask her if she can perform Nessun Dorma in Pavarotti's Place. And, you know, Ehrlich at the time happened to know that Franklin had performed the aria a couple days before at another event, so, uh, you know, he knew that she could theoretically do the song, but having her fill in for for Pavarotti on a moment's notice was still going to be a huge ask. I mean, think about what she's being asked to do here in this situation, all right? Ta- put yourself in her shoes. I mean, most of you are, are, are vocalists, so you you could imagine what this is, what you're being asked to do here is pretty crazy. She's being asked to perform a really difficult aria, one of the most difficult around, in Italian, with a full orchestra in a, and a choir, in front of a billion people watching TV around the world, and no rehearsal. The show had already started, so rehearsing was not going to be an option. She did not have a chance to work with this orchestra, or with this choir, or with this conductor, and any singer can tell you, I mean, you're all singers, you understand, that even if you had happened to perform the song recently, it wasn't going to make this any easier. If you don't have a chance to work with that orchestra and with that conductor, you know, working with their tempo and their key or whatever, you're, I mean, this is this is like this is a, a miracle you're asking her to to do here. And it was, you know, it was an impossible request. And there were even people backstage that were saying it's crazy to have Aretha Franklin do the Nessun Dorma with no preparation Let's have her sing one of her own songs instead. You know, they're saying like, oh, she could do, you know, Natural Woman and she'll bring the house down. We don't need to have her do this. But they asked her if she could do Nessun and Dorma. And instead of telling Ken Ehrlich, are you absolutely out of your mind? Are you nuts? No, I'm not going to do this performance. She said, let me listen to the dress rehearsal one time. And so they brought her the dress rehearsal of the orchestra performing the song. She listened to it one time on a cassette tape in the middle of the Grammys telecast. She has to go on in a few minutes. And she said, yeah, I can do it. And she did do it. And she absolutely freaking crushed it that night. Crushed it. I mean, listen to this. This is from the Grammys performance. No rehearsal, no time to work with the orchestra, performing on a few minutes notice. And this is what she did. Oh! <laughs> You guys have to watch the full YouTube video of this performance because one of the funniest things about it is that after she performs the song, she gets the most insane standing ovation. Like, Faith Hill's up there, like, clapping like she's never clapped before. Um, Tim McGraw's clapping like he's never clapped before, uh... Celine Dion is losing her mind just like up there like wow I could never in a million years do what you just did you are a legend and then after the standing ovation is over she goes up to the podium with Sting who originally introduced her and started the introduction by saying Luciano Pavarotti couldn't make it Aretha's gonna fill in and stands next to Sting while Sting now has to present the award to Pavarotti who's not there and you can just tell everybody in the crowd is like Maybe we should just give Aretha the award. Whatever lifetime achievement thing we're going to give out, let's just give it to Aretha. (laughs) Because it was so incredible. I also noticed that when I was watching the video on YouTube, I was looking at the comments, and one of the commenters wrote that Aretha singing those last few notes in that clip are what you hear when the gates of heaven open. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. So when I want to encapsulate Aretha's greatness... I just tell people about the time that the Queen of Soul saved the 1998 Grammys by singing an Italian opera with 20 minutes notice and no rehearsal. She's the greatest, and she will very much be missed. Ben Gross coming up next. Keep listening to the Break the Business podcast. He is the Chief Strategy Officer for Genius, the acclaimed online music encyclopedia platform that serves over 100 million music fans monthly. You can find out more about his work by visiting www.genius.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Gross is on the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Ben, how's it going?
1: Hey, Ryan, great to be here. Going well.
0: Great to have you here. I love Genius. I've been visiting this platform consistently pretty much since it's opened up shop. I, I remember when it started about 10 years ago, it was called rap genius. And it was a platform where people yep. could go on the site and figure out the meaning behind rap lyrics. <laughs> and it's changed a lot since then. So how has genius expanded on that original mission from those early days? And what does it want to become?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you were, uh, you know, an OG user of genius. We always are happy to to meet uh, some of the originals because, uh, we have been around longer than people people realize, and a lot has changed uh, since the Rap Genius days. It was about 2014 where we uh, where we just became Genius, and you know the site started as really like as an art project uh, to devoted to just the sort of depth and meaning and beauty behind uh, hip hop music, and we built this platform to allow fans to engage and explain and debate and argue about the meaning and context behind their favorite music. Uh, and it started with hip hop because that was sort of the, the, the music where it made the most sense where it was sort of the most, uh, susceptible to close reading and that kind of analysis. And there's so, and there's so much, so many levels and depth to so much hip hop music, but very quickly people were uploading and annotating, uh, all kinds of music beyond hip hop. Uh, and, Even beyond music, people started uploading poetry and, you know, op-ed articles from the New York Times. And so the platform really grew uh, quite quite fast, uh, very early on. And by 2014, it was basically uh, just too deeply inaccurate just to call it rap genius. And so really, we became genius, and, you know, genius became about all of music, uh, and it had been for years already. And then since 2014, and really since the last couple years, what's happened is, you know, the the, the biggest change has been uh, genius growing from just a sort of technology and community platform where fans gather and artists gather to talk about the deeper meaning behind music, but also to, to sort of build this media operation on top of it and bring genius to uh, all the places people are consuming and talking about music, whether it's, uh, you know, we spun up a large video operation and all these video series that we create with artists explaining their music to their fans. Uh, our YouTube, uh, following grew in about a year and a half from, you know, 10,000 people to we got 3 million subscribers the other day. We started bringing genius into streaming services. We started, we moved to Gowanus and built out an event space of, uh, you know, that can fit four or 500 people. And we started doing live events. And we're just starting trying to be part of, uh, the broader music conversation everywhere it's happening. And you know, the goal for genius, The last part of your question is uh, we want to be the most important voice uh, in music where people expect to see genius whenever they're thinking or listening, thinking about or listening to music that they expect to be able to get that genius layer, get behind and deeper into the music that they love.
0: And you guys are yeah, you guys have certainly come a long way from just being this you know platform where people can annotate lyrics and talk about the deeper meanings behind them. And I'm seeing a lot of things that from somebody who works with indie artists, I see I see engagement opportunities for artists with the Genius platform. I see you talk about these video programs and things, and I see a lot of artist partnerships with Genius that are going on. So if an if I'm an indie artist, uh, how could I use Genius, and how might I want to look at Genius as a fan engagement platform for me?
1: Sure. I mean, yeah, that that's how Genius was built. You know, Genius was built uh, as a fan engagement platform for artists and from the very beginning for independent artists who were just spinning up their music and, you know, working on their own behalf. Uh, the way indie artists have always used Genius and that we are, you know, so deeply grateful for them using Genius is you can get on Genius if somebody hasn't already done it uh, you can upload your lyrics uh, to Genius. I, you know, doesn't matter if you, haven't, if you don't have a deal, if you've never put any music out, if it's just something that's in a notebook of yours and you want it there and you want people to be able to see it, uh, you can put it on Genius. And then if you put up a song on Genius that's attributed to you, you can create an account and uh, you can annotate that song and explain sort of how the production came together, explain what you were thinking when you were writing the lyrics or what it means to you. Uh, or what this reference is or what this sample is. And, uh, and if you do that, you can then reach out. And again, this, you know, it doesn't matter how big your following is or who you are. You can reach out to our artist relations team, and we're interested in all artists, uh, and they will verify your account. As long as you can prove that you are the person who you say you are, uh, they'll verify your account, and your, your annotations will get a special treatment on that page of your music that show that these are coming directly from the artist and uh and that's a great way to build uh build a following and like when fans hear your music and they google your lyrics or they come to genius looking for your music they come to your page and they see the lyrics are up there they're correct they're verified by by you the artist and then there's all this added content coming from the artist to sort of take the fan deeper into the song and uh and that's how you can start building a community and we've seen it happen a thousand times over and over again i mean one of our favorite examples and we just had him on one of our shows is chance the rapper uh, came up using genius before when he was just making music and putting it up on soundcloud he was putting the lyrics on genius and he was annotating them and he was fighting with other people about what they meant uh, <laughs> and all before anyone knew who he was and he continues to engage with the platform this day to this day now that he's you know he's a global superstar and it's like that's The best story, you know, that's the story that Genius was built to enable. Well,
0: that does sound like a great fan engagement initiative that artists can do. And I I do like this potential idea of artists really annotating their own lyrics by getting involved in Genius. But I, I do see kind of a funny situation where one of my favorite things to do on Genius is just to go on songs and look at the text string of people arguing about what lyrics mean. I would just love a scenario <laughs> where somebody gets up there and says, no, uh, this person totally meant love for their parents. And then the other person says, no, they didn't. And then they comes back and says, I wrote the song.
1: <laughs> I know what it means. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> We love when artists, you know, and but what's cool is that it, it doesn't shut down the conversation. When an artist annotates a lyric, uh, it's above; it sits at the top of sort of the string of annotations. But there's still a genius annotation, which is the community's sort of uh, ever-evolving, dynamic consensus about what they think that the lyric means. And so, and we display those in tandem. There, so it's 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 really a conversation between artists and fans. And another cool thing that artists can do. Uh, once you have fans annotating your lyrics, in addition to, to you just annotating your lyrics, and this is something that fans love, and is a really great way to build uh, build a community, is you can come and you can instead of just dropping annotations, you can co-sign, is the, the the term we use. You can co-sign a community annotation. So if a fan has written an annotation of one of your lyrics that you think is just spot on and really, they they understood what you were saying and what you were uh, what you were getting at with that lyric. Uh, you can sort of click a button that gives it sort of a check mark next to it that says, "Yeah, this was co-signed by the artist," and that's tends to be a really exciting moment for fans. I when, can imagine. When, uh, <laughs> you know, we've seen that. You know, Eminem will come and he'll periodically co-sign a handful of annotations on his uh, on his tracks from you know from these rabid Eminem fans, and that's like a really great great moment and a great way to engage.
0: Oh my god, that that I mean, that's just super awesome engagement there. Now, uh, Ben, you've talked a lot in the past about uh, the monetization of lyrics and the growth of the platform like genius suggests that there may be some real paths for artists to monetize lyrics above and beyond just simply having those lyrics in a recording. So now if I'm an indie artist, what revenue streams could be out there for my lyrics separate from just having them in a, in a recording?
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, from the beginning, one of the sort of theses of geniuses, uh, business and mission has been that, like, lyrics are a central part of music culture. They are an incredibly valuable and important uh, part of the music story. And yet, for uh, for a very long time, uh, they were treated, you know, not well, to, to avoid colorful language, they were treated not well uh, on the internet, you know, that lyrics were just sort of treated as a commodity, a bunch of crappy spammy ads were thrown against them on random websites that you know you were worried that if you clicked on you might get <laughs> a virus <laughs> it's like, and uh and like genius really want like lyrics are premium content and they should be given a premium treatment and uh it's from you know one of the things that's crucial to genius is that when we make money off of uh Engagement with lyrics that the artists get paid as well. And, you know, we're fully licensed operation. We work directly with all the music publishers and Yeah, so like if you have your it depends on who you're sort of how you administer your publishing but if you're signed to a major or if you're signed to an independent publisher and they uh, uh, any Every independent publisher is typically a member of the NMPA the National Music Publishers Association with whom we have You know a great long-standing relationship We uh, put out a model license that any independent publisher can uh, can opt into, and that means that you'll get you'll get paid when uh, when your lyrics are engaged with on Genius and when uh, when we build them if we build them into a brand program because we're out there trying to create more sophisticated monetization channels for lyrics, not just simply oh we're running banner ads against lyrics which we do, but we're also doing you know. custom videos that might feature lyrics in interesting ways. We're building, uh, you know, maybe a lyrics trivia game, or we're, we're trying to create more sophisticated monetization channels than ever that, that have typically not been available for, for lyrics monetization. And yeah, if we're using your lyrics as part of those deals, uh, we want you to be sort of signed up with us and you, you will get, you'll get paid as part of that. And, uh, and that's just genius. Of course, you know, uh, lyrics, We, we hope that, you know, you know, a thousand flowers will, will bloom and lyrics are going to, that we can be part of the story of lyrics becoming a more important engine monetization across the music industry for, for artists. And so encourage you to, you know, talk to, talk to your publisher, if you have, if you have a publisher and if you're, if you're sort of administering your own publishing, uh, to, to look around and see where lyrics are being used and see, making sure that you're set up in the right way to get paid for that. Uh, and with genius, it should be pretty simple. Uh, and you know, anyone who has any questions can always just hit me up directly at Bennett at Uh, and, but yeah, look around at the streaming services and other places, uh, lyrics are being used and making, making sure that you, uh, that you understand how your lyrics are being used and that you're getting, uh, cut in on it in the right way.
0: Fantastic. And artists, I've I've listened to a lot of the music you guys have sent for this podcast. I know some of you write some fabulous lyrics and you can. So go to www.genius.com. You can figure out how to make the most of those great words you are putting together. Ben, towards the end of that answer, you were talking about streaming services and we do have a couple minutes left, but I would love for you to talk a little bit about the things that Genius is doing with Spotify, specifically this behind the lyrics thing, because this looks pretty cool
1: sure yeah this has now been going on for a couple years and it's one of the things we're most proud of uh we similar similarly uh you know the digital age revolutionized the kind of convenience of listening to music you know now you know the, to have ev- access to every song uh that you could want or almost every song that you could want in your pocket at any time is really an amazing thing but it didn't uh it hasn't really uh added as much to the listening experience as we thought it could and so you know for on the vast majority of streaming services for most of uh history when you play a song if you look at your phone usually you just lock it and put it in your pocket but if you uh happen to look at your phone what what will you see is you know at best the album art static album art image album art is beautiful uh but it is just sitting there and you look at it and then maybe you lock your phone and put it in your pocket and we tried to think what could we show users that would be more engaging and keep people in let them dig deeper into their music, which is really the the genius mission. And so behind the lyrics, instead of the album art and Spotify for thousands of popular songs, you get this genius experience where you see a mixture of lyrical snippets, but also explanations about those lyrics that come from the genius uh, knowledge base and are curated by our editorial team that explain sort of what that drum fill was about, who was playing on that session, what was the uh, what was what the story behind the production, what is the reference to what place are they referring to or what, place they grew up or whatever, uh, or what historic beef uh, we tell those stories right on the song in Spotify. And we also, when we have content direct from the artists that, you know, what we were just talking about, we push that in there too. So you, we get sort of quotes directly from the artists popping up as you're listening to the song in your Spotify app. Uh, And it's, yeah, and it's become an enormously popular experience in Spotify and people engage with it. Artists love it and fans love it. And it keeps people, Engage with the music in a in a more active way while they're listening, rather than just sort of uh, popping in their pocket and sort of. Uh, daydreaming.
0: <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. Again, folks, you can check him, check it all out at www.genius.com. If you are not religiously checking out this site like I am, uh, now is as good a time as any to get uh, to get hooked onto it. It's pretty awesome. And it does create some cool engagement and monetization opportunities for you lyric writers out there. Ben, before we let you go this week, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners to help them move their careers forward?
1: um sure yeah you know like i i can't help but uh but sort of think we're talking publishing it's like people don't always take uh the publishing piece of their uh of their business serious enough as a as a musician and like we are committed to making songwriters uh a bigger part of the story in the music industry and you should take if you are a songwriter you should be taking uh the publishing piece not just the uh the masterpiece of of a uh, of your puzzle seriously and uh, and be looking for creative ways to use that and uh, and and guard it and don't just sort of sign it away without thinking about it. And, you know, and the publishers themselves uh, are out there thinking much more in a much more sophisticated way about how to uh, elevate songwriters and like they've been great partners to genius. And there's just so much you can do if you if you engage with that. And then other than that, I'd say. Come to Genius, put your lyrics on Genius, get verified, build a fan base. We can be a big part of that uh, uh, for for songwriters, and you know we welcome welcome everybody who's out there creating stuff.
0: Awesome, Ben. Hey, don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. I, I, there's so sure thing. many things we could talk about.